Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Today, we've got our final sort of NBA draft preview episode because tomorrow or Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, is the actual draft. We'll finally see what the Wizards do with the 10th pick. If they do anything with the 10th pick, who knows? Could it be the fourth pick eventually, the 15th pick? We'll see what they end up with if we end up with Devontae Graham or Malcolm Brogdon instead. All sort of things that are seemingly on the table at this point. So going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. But today, we're going to just assume that the lottery odds are the same. I've got Osmond Big, Bullets Forever joining me. Oz and I are going to go through and do two different lottery mock drafts for you. The first one will be what we actually expect to happen on draft night. Here's sort of, here's what we've read. Here's the consensus. Here's where we think these teams will kind of go if they keep all their picks. And that's sort of the most realistic outcomes, in our opinion. And then we're going to do a separate lottery mock right after it of just, hey, Here's what we would do. Let's get weird with it. Um, like if we're GMs, here's uh, here's who we think we would prefer at these positions and, and kind of give our own opinion on those things. So yeah, th- this is it. This is it for us. This is the last dry run before the big day. So um, I'm really excited. Hope you guys are too. And then we'll figure out what the heck we talk about for the rest of the summer. Uh, so that'll always uh, be kind of an interesting convo. So we're happy to take any input from you all about what you'd like to hear about for the rest of the off season. As always, please rate, review, subscribe. All the kind words we've gotten from reviews this summer have been really appreciated. So, so thanks to everybody that's taken the time to do that. It means a lot to us. You know, we're we're not getting rich off of this, so it it is kind of a nice morale boost to know that people are liking what they're hearing from us. So appreciate that, and and thanks for all the kind words on social media and stuff like that too. Uh, but first, a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online can be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's NFL futures. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF, B L E A V, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. With that, let's get to my combo with Oz. All right, we've got Oz joining me here. Oz, thanks for coming on and finally, you know, getting our last uh, last mm-hmm. mock draft of the the draft season out of the way here. Look, man, I'm excited. Just 24 hours away, like, I'm just pumped up. Let's go. I I have made the decision, I think, to go to the official draft party here, so that way I can <laughs> just be miserable in person in closest proximity to the team if we do something very silly. So full disclosure, I, I help coach a basketball team, a 13U basketball team, and I am doing my best to get out of that practice or find a convenient excuse. Oh, the gym is unavailable right. to cancel practice and make it down to the draft. Also, <laughs> we just don't have a permit for tomorrow. Yeah, no, you know, Where did that go? The, co- the county pulled it. What can I do? <laughs> yep, darn county. Uh, it's nebulous enough that the other parents will buy it too. I think. Yeah. All right. So I did a soft intro here. I kind of mentioned the premise to folks, but we're going to do the lottery. So the first 14 picks, the first one is just, here's what we think is the most realistic or likely outcome tomorrow night. And then we'll go through and do like our own 
here's the guys we like that way we're on the record and uh here's what we would have done if we were these teams so we can call them stupid you know 10 yeah. years down the road uh all right so the first pick here do you want to go first this one and then i'll go first the next one how's that sound all right that works um all right so this is the version where we think what we think will happen not what yep. we would like to happen so i am going to go with jabari smith number one to orlando okay um that just seems to be all the momentum seems to be in that direction. I know Vegas is shifted the odds a little bit, but it just seems like you have, I mean, he's a versatile player. He's a, he's a modern fit in the NBA. Good. I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with them as a prospect. When we get back to the second round of the lottery, I'm sure we might have some differing opinions, uh, but there's, there's really no complaint about this pick. He's a, it's, it's, it's a good ad for that roster. Yeah, he fits what they do too, right? Like they like that sort of six nine athletic guy that does some stuff. Uh, I don't know. He just kind of tracks where I think they're trying to go to. So I right. think that makes the next next pick pretty easy for me. By all accounts, Oklahoma City seems to like Chet. They've got the timetable to do it. So I'm going to take Chet Holmgren number two for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great pick. I like how I finally like if that pick happens. And then you have Giddy last year, you have SGA, you kind of see the plan beginning to come yeah. together. Now, I guess what I'd wonder is, are they finally going to start to try to win? Or are they like, hey, let's just wait for one more lottery? I'm guessing they probably wait one more year. But then really by like by the end of next season, if they tank again, they could have a really nice core in place. And it's been like kind of a painful process to get there. But it's look, I mean, it's frankly still quicker than what we're doing over here, you know? <laughs> Their, their path to a contender is probably still quicker than ours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this was a Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo pod postulation. So I don't know if it's based on any intel or not, but their theory was that they liked Chet Holmgren with their pick because it allowed them to be still bad next year because he's likely to take some time to physically mature and develop. Whereas Jabari might be more or Paulo might be more ready now to help them. So they could be bad again next year in like the best draft of the last decade and take Victor Wimbanyana or somebody like that. Um, I, I don't think they would do that intentionally, but if that is a side effect, uh, I don't think that they'd be like mad about that. If you could put Chet and Victor together in a future front court, um, oh, that just sort fantastic. of, that, that breaks, so... that breaks the world. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see, well, look, I guess the reality is like, I mean, even good rookies take time. Yeah. And what we've seen from Oklahoma city is, when Al Horford was there and SGA two years ago, they were playing well mm-hmm. and they had no problem shutting them down to make sure they were in the right position. So I don't know necessarily know if that's the thing. I don't think they would throw Chet out there for 82 games and let him take, get beat up for 82 games. So I think there will be some managing of his body to make sure that he makes it through the season healthy. Um, Paulo, is, Paulo is maybe more and Jabari more re- like and physically fit, ready for an 82 game season. But there, there are still holes in their game, Paulo defensively. And Jabari just kind of like, we still have to see how he finishes inside the two, like it finishes inside or like in two point range and like things in that game that I wouldn't worry about them just being so uber talented and NBA ready that from a skill perspective, they just lift them out of the lottery. But I could see the, Hey, let's manage Chet. Let's get him in 60 to 70 games in, but make sure we don't beat him up. And let's also position for the next lottery as well. Yeah, that's where I'm at. If you're bad and that's a natural byproduct uh, or even something you have to do inorganically, you know, you'll do that if you need to, if you're okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Third pick Houston Rockets. Who you got? I'm taking Paulo. 
Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure when we redraft, one one of us will might might be taking him earlier. Yeah. When I saw him last year, uh, I saw some highlights and I saw the six ten guy doing a crossover and hitting a three. And I think it's one of those things where you, the more exposure you get to someone, and I think it applies to a couple of players in this draft. I think it applies to him. I think it applies to like a Johnny Davis. I think it applies. There are several players that because you've seen more and it's funny, it used to be where if a guy was like a four-year guy and you saw them too much, that would work against them. Now, even if they're a one and done or a two and done, if you just see them on TV 10 times, it's like, oh, we kind of know they're, yeah. it's like for some reason that's translated to, we kind of see their upside. We've seen too much. And it works against them. I mean, mm-hmm. Apollo's offensively, there's nothing that he can't do. I don't, I don't see any reason why he cannot eventually be a 25 point per game score in the NBA, if not better. Yeah. Um, and physically, he's going to have no problem kind of handling the league. There are holes to his game. Um, like when I saw the game, the last game at um, Coach K's last game at Cameron mm-hmm. Indoor, he had a very bad stretch where he was forcing shots, and he kind of has that, like when he's not scoring, when he he's not really getting in the free throw line. Um, he's not always playmaking, even though I think he has that ability. So there's some of that where he's not impacting the game always positively, but the physical package is there. And we saw in the tournament when he played Michigan state, when you put the ball in his hands and let him actually play, make a little bit, then it kind of all comes together. Uh, people are overthinking it. He should definitely be higher. <laughs> and this might get me killed by some folks. Cause somehow we have Duke fans in our local fan base here. It seems <laughs> like, but. I don't think they were actually particularly well coached in my very, very amateur, uh, non-expert opinion, but it just seemed like sort of a mess of dudes that they never really kind of perfectly ironed out the roles for everyone to make them most successful offensively and defensively. Like a lot of the stuff was funnel people to Mark Williams. Well, of course yeah. those guys are going to look worse on the perimeter. Now, and maybe you had to do that because they were bad on the perimeter, but also, it just sort of made like kind of a tougher eval. So I actually think there's more there than we've seen so far. So I, I think that's a no-brainer. Sacramento to me at four, I I just, I, De'Aaron Fox is a nice player. Davion Mitchell might be a nice player, but none of them are good enough that I would not take whoever I think is the most talented player left available. And I honestly, I think you can make the fit stuff work well enough while you figure it out or trade them downstream if you have to. So to me, I don't know that they're going to get what they want necessarily for the fourth pick. I see them just saying, hey, we got to take the highest upside guy here, the most talented guy here, and take Jaden Ivey at four. Yeah, I think Jaden Ivey, I mean, and also when it's all said and done, just because of how the NBA is and with how if you're a lead guard and you have the ball in your hands a lot, you may end up, you'll, and if you're effective, he could easily, when we look back, look like what he should have been the first or second pick in the draft if, if everything comes together for him. Um, it's interesting. Like you hear what they're what they're asking for, and I think reports are out there that it's it's three first round picks, something like to the equivalent of three first round picks mm-hmm. and a young player, what have you. It's kind of it's they got criticized pretty much for the uh, Sabonis trade, Halliburton trade, yeah. um, and I wonder if there's kind of an overcorrection going on there, or if there's hey we'll move, but we only want to move down a couple of spots, we still get a certain player. I don't really know what's all going on there, but I'd say if they do stay at four, Ivy should be the pick, probably is the pick, and they'll figure it out later. He's just too talented. I mean, I know there's a lot of buzz like, oh, they like Murray, but it just, it just, you know, you you, can't, you leave that talent out there, and it just, yeah, I, I just think it has to be Ivy. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Ivy guy. We've talked about this. Like, right. I, to me, I see more like Reggie Jackson level upside than I mm-hmm. do 
John Morant level upside, still a good player. And, right. you know, it doesn't mean that he won't become something better. It's just the, the in-between game thing kind of weirds me out a little bit. You know, all those guys are so good in the, like in the mid range too. And he doesn't really have that kind of in-between stuff yet, but you just, there's so much upside there that you just have to do it. You have to do it and you figure all the rest out later. And right. And I think actually what I probably prefer to do if I were them, but again, it's like, who knows what their organizational goals are. I would, if you can't find the right trade draft Ivy trade Mm. Fox, you know, you could still get a good return for Fox. You could fill some of your other needs versus forcing it. I also just don't want to to play them together. How do you know they can't play together? Right. I don't also really love the Keegan Murray Sabonis combo Mm -hmm. together. I don't think it's going to be, it's going to be a terrible defensive team. (laughs) Like I think Murray will be a nice, smart defender. If he's surrounded by other good physically tooled defenders. If he's got to be your anchor on defense (laughs) next to a guy that can't defend, I, I would be worried about that too. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are at Detroit with the fifth pick. So Detroit with the fifth pick, uh, the way it seems to be leaning, and I think based on Troy Uber really likes good athletes, like kind of explosive type players, I think he is going to take Benedict Matherin if mm-hmm. it falls this way. I, I believe his preference obviously would be for Jaden Ivey to slide to five, but I think he takes Benedict. He could work off the ball with Cade and is just going to be an expo- like an explosive wing. I think he just, that fit, I think is really nice, clean, works out for them well, I think. It makes a lot of sense. I think Cade could do like a lot of, a lot of good for Mathurin and give him some easy looks. Right. I, I think I had Murray tentatively slotted here only because like Cade, not the most athletic guy, just solid, smart, skilled. Sadiq Bay, not the most athletic guy, solid, skilled. But as you went through that, I'm like, you know what? They could use a guy that, like, is sort of more traditional what the Troy Weaver pick has been. That, right. That's got some pop and some athleticism. So I, I think mixing it up a little bit from their last kind of two two guys is is smart. So makes Troy's got to be itching because in OKC it was always like athletic players, yeah. like you know. He's got to be itching to get like a plus athlete. Right? <laughs> Who can win the dunk contest? <laughs> Who is this year's Hamadou Diallo? <laughs> All right. This makes it pretty easy for me. I think at six, the Pacers would probably take Keegan Murray. I can't see him falling much further than that at this point. He's kind of solid. You can play him next to Turner. They probably fit pretty well together. And it's just like another high IQ guy that could go next to Halliburton and they're just going to like IQ people to death, which just seems like the Indiana basketball, like MO, you know, like just mm-hmm. we'll be out here in this cornfield, just like pick and rolling people to death and setting like, you know, the picket fence and, and all that great stuff. So but I did see a tweet, a report from yesterday where it was it Dyson Daniels who was in Indiana and they called it the best workout they've ever seen. Mm. But I just can't like, I just want to bounce it off you. Do you think this is a spot where they, how likely do you think is, is it that they trade here? And number two, do you actually see them potentially taking Dyson? Because Dyson Halliburton seems a little, look, it's not a problem to have too many ball handlers, Sure. but I don't see both of them seem like more like the Robin in a backcourt. Not that, you know, so that I don't really see that fit there. I wanted to get your take on that. I think the value of, of Halliburton isn't just that he's a good player. It's that he's a good f- player that fits with like relatively anybody. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the piece I missed is how like versatile he would be. And you can really kind of meld him into any lineup or build a lineup around him. And he still kind of makes sense in some way. So I think you could probably do realistically anything here. I, I bet there is a lot of truth to the Dyson Daniels had a great workout. It could be a, hey, we're not in love with anybody at six. If we say this guy's the best and someone who really wants him will trade us somebody to go up two spots. I, I got to think New Orleans is like salivating for Daniels. Like that's probably like the dream fit for them in in my mm. opinion. So if if I'm them, I'm like, well, what can I trade to go up two spots? Um it, Indy, I think it's smart to, to kind of go that round, at least consider it. I want to say Kevin Pritchard was the one in Portland that took Nick Batum. If that's sort of the comp for like a Dyson Daniels, you know, like maybe maybe he would kind of like that player and maybe they just pull the trigger and take Daniels. I, I don't know. I, I just, if Keegan Murray drops on draft night, it wouldn't really shock me, but it just seems like a safe bet. He goes somewhere in the top eight at a minimum. So that's kind of why I went here. It's just like the default safe pick. Okay. All right. Where are we? We are, we are with Portland, uh, at, number Portland. Yep. Portland at number seven. So I am going to go with uh, Dyson Daniels. I think I'm going to stay there. Everything, everything about him is workout wise has been the, the reviews have been positive. He's what now a six, eight point guard. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a similar issue to where, why I think you'd be a good fit with Beal here. If I was, if I was, if we were a rebuilding team and let's say we started from scratch, would I necessarily love Dyson Daniels as a prospect? I would still like him as a prospect, sure. but would I think he's going to be our foundational building block? Probably not. Yeah. Where I think he fits is because you have, and I'll just kind of use Washington and Portland. You have guards who are veterans who are not the best defenders, yeah. regardless of what their GMs may say, they are not the best defenders on their team. Um, they're kind of undersized at their position but they are going to monopolize the ball. They, they are best with the ball in their hands. Dyson Daniels is a player that could impact, impact the floor defensively. His length, he could, he could switch, which will make it easier to kind of build a good defense around Dame and Beal. So I'm kind of like applying it to both, but in this situation with Portland, Dyson just makes a lot of sense. He offsets some of the size issues Dame has. He could cover a lot of ground, switch a lot, um, and be the passer, be the off-ball player. He does not need to lead the team in usage or lead the team in shots to be effective. I've been watching a lot of Ignite recently, and I I think I kind of slept on some of the really special reads that Daniels makes. And a lot of that, I think, was just kind of I'm playing with these either older, unathletic vets or, you know, they can't make they can't get to the passes I want to throw them or these young guys who don't (laughs) see what I see. He had a couple like. So like Bochamp is a really good cutter and Daniels had like a really, a lot of really good finds throughout the year for him, like for backdoor stuff, some no look passes. Like I think if he played with like smarter high IQ guys, he would look even better. Um, But I'm with you to me. He's like, he's talked about like one of his heroes growing up has been to watch Joe Ingalls and they're different players. And I think Daniels can be a better player than that, but Ingles was just like, let me be solid and do all the dirty work. And if I'm your fourth right. or fifth starter on a really good team, we're a really good team. And, and I think that's kind of where I see Daniels turning out. I think also with Daniels, because he's not like kind of smaller, explosive, flashy, he makes a nice pass, but at 680, he just throws it over the top. And it doesn't necessarily look like the yeah. look is good until, like you said, you, took, you take your second look and you're like, wow, he saw that read. He threw it over, kind of led 
led the offensive player through it over the defense in a way that only a six, eight guard could do. And on second look, it looks a lot better than at first blush. You kind of give it credit for Yeah, I agreed. All right. This puts me in a little bit of a tough spot with new Orleans. I'm not totally sure where they would go here. I think on paper, like AJ Griffin makes a lot of sense for them. I'm sort of torn if like maybe eight is too early for him, but they need some shooting from the wing. I think one of two ways here, and I would love you to weigh in here before I make mm-hmm. this official pick. They they need a wing. They need some shooting. And I I could make the case for Shaden Sharp here because maybe they're a little better timeline-wise than people expected. So they're not going to be like low in the lottery again. So maybe take like a high swing guy and we're, hey, we're still pretty good. And we can kind of, we can bring him along more slowly because we don't need him to be an impact player right away. Or they say all the injuries and stuff we've had, we need a guy that instantly come in and shoot. And we've got a lot of good defenders already. So maybe we could make up for the deficiencies that somebody like AJ Griffin has. Where where would you go if you were them here? So I think, um, I think, and I sent this in a group chat that actually you and I are in yesterday. I saw the, the synergy numbers for AJ Griffin posted. Yeah, and I'm trying week. to track... Yeah, as a shooter, it's kind of like a cutter, catch and shoot. Those like he is, it is elite's the right word. And I think where so I think maybe we have underrated him a little bit through the process in terms of how NBA teams may view him as like an immediate fit. So as an example, 99th percentile as a cutter, 95th percentile in catch and shoot situations, 95th percentile in all jump shots off the dribble, 93rd percentile in isolations. It's all just good, right? Yeah. Um, the knees are though the injury history is an issue. Apparently ankles are also a thing. There were more undocumented or unpublicized ankle issues throughout the year here too. Right. So yeah, those are all issues. That being said, if sharp had a cleaner lead up to the draft, I'd probably go sharp, but the Pelicans, yes, they have the flexibility because they don't necessarily need someone to jump in right away. Um, because you have Ingram, you have CJ McCollum, you have Zion coming back but they still need shooting. And with <clears throat> AJ Griffins, he's not like, he's not four sized, but he could probably play some minutes at the four because of his six foot six with six eleven wingspan. And he's physically he's built. Sturdy, yeah. He's sturdy. Sharp is an, a complete unknown and he might not even hit the floor for a while. And when he hits the floor, does he kind of, can he work off of a Brandon Ingram who also is going to need the ball and rightfully will be, First in pecking order, CJ McCollum second in the pecking order. Yeah. So because of Zion's like um, because of Zion's health uncertainty, I could see AJ even though even though it's kind of weird, weird to say, hey, because Zion has some health issues, let's take another guy with health health issues. But AJ Griffin, at least you kind of double up with someone who could give you the play the three and the four, be a good shooter, help space the floor for them. I I think that makes sense. Um, versus just taking a swing because I think the Pelicans are really, I think they do want to, they have aspirations probably to climb out of the game next year. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I could make the case either way, but to me, Mm -hmm. Griffin seems like uh, just too coincidental, a pick for a GM named Griffin to not take. So (laughs) let's go, let's go AJ at number eight here. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It's not, I don't love it. And I, th- I know you haven't loved it through the process. And we've kind of like, when we've done box, we pushed him down a little bit. But I think those shooting numbers will grab GM's attention. If I were Cleveland, let's say, I mm-hmm. would take him with no hesitation because I can 
teach him to defend. He'll be around better defenders. Like he'll have help and the shooting would be instantly big. And by all accounts, we have a good medical staff. Like that's easier for me to justify as a, if I'm doing the pseudo wizards GM hat here, I would never take him in a million years because I just don't buy that. We would ever be lucky enough that a guy with injury problems wouldn't end up injured at some point. Right. And, you know, he he's better than I have him on my board only because if it's like a wizard centric board, that would scare <laughs> me enough. Uh, all right. San Antonio at number nine here. San Antonio at number nine. Okay. So I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball. Uh, I'm going to go Johnny Davis at number nine. Ooh, okay. Um, mainly because I think, well, with the Spurs, I, you know, I've seen him actually get mocked to them recently. Mm. And then I began to think if, the, if it does break like this and Dyson, Benedict, they're all gone. Now, the thing is, the Spurs are a little tricky team. Like, will they just take a center because the center's there? Well, do they really love a Jalen Duran? But then I'm also thinking about Popovich. Popovich has never signed, like, shied away from someone who loves a mid-range. Johnny Davis is one of the top defensive guards in the draft. Um, he led a team to, to the conference title. Why would he not like Johnny Davis? I guess is my question. He's your Derek White replacement. You know, they weren't afraid to play two guards together. They could kind of switch on and off ball, that sort of thing. Right. So I could definitely see that. Um, you also have Lonnie Walker, who I think is now in year entering year four mm-hmm. um, and his contract extension eligible, but it doesn't seem like he's really long for San Antonio. He's probably going to be on his next stop soon. Just doesn't seem like it ever is click for him there. Yeah. So you could see, you could see the, you could see the fit on the roster and San Antonio with an additional, additional picks later on in the draft can attack can go for more size then I think. They took Primo last year, which made me think like, if they were willing to kind of reach on a high upside guy, maybe they would be willing to say, like, we have the cachet to take somebody like a sharp and try to find like a generational talent infusion that we kind of they've got a lot of like solid guys, but nobody yeah. like special. So maybe they would pull the trigger there. But I just I could see that like a guy that shoots almost every time he touches it, like breaking pops brain. So um, I think that's in, in our version of the lottery. I would not take a Johnny Davis. I could just see him fitting in with what pop, yeah. but yeah, I agree with you. And I think kind of when we go back through this again, it might be something that we reevaluate um, for the Spurs. Why not take a swing? And, and they've said that they want to see more Primo as point guard, which I think is mm-hmm. interesting. So you could do a Murray Primo Davis backcourt, you know, and, and see what that looks like too. Ooh, all right. This puts me in a very tough spot. Uh, with I also Washington. wanted to put you in this tough spot. <laughs> yeah. I really thought you were going to go so in there. Uh, I'll be very honest. Um, <laughs> damn. I I just don't see a world where we take Shaden Sharp. I, I'm in the same boat, and it's not because of the same issue that they had with the Michael Porter. I think that was maybe more injury-related mm-hmm. and in hindsight, well, they were not correct in who they took, but in hindsight, they did what they were. If that was a factor as to why they would have bypassed Michael Porter Jr., even if he had made it to 15, that was they were correct. But I have a similar feeling now where even if Sharp is there at 10, people shouldn't celebrate because I don't think he's, they're going to take it. Uh, all right. I'm going to go Tari Eason. I, I just, okay. after talking to Chase the other day, it sounded like he had a pretty good workout. 
again, they're not kind of concerned about the shooting so much and percentages, although his percentages aren't terrible, but they want toolsy physical guys. And, you know, it, it just seems like that's something that they could kind of talk themselves into. He was pretty productive this year. And, you know, they'll say, oh, like, we need defense because like we've talked about now a handful of times, they think it's just one skill set you can add and you can combine him with all of your people to make Voltron of, of basketball. <laughs> and he's he's now our wing defender. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think just given how the board's breaking here, I'll, I'll go Tari at 10. Now, let me ask you this, and it's not necessarily we're going to do our second version, but I, I'm sure the top nine might shift a little bit and some different players might enter. So we might have more options at 10 if it were to break like this. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of, I'm kind of throwing a curve at you. We're going to do our second scenario, but only like with this top nine. Mm-hmm. Would you take Tari or would you perhaps go for an Usman Dieng type? Take yeah, a shot. I, I would not take Tari. Or you would yeah. take Shaden Sharp probably, right? I, I would, if, totally if Sharp was still here at 10, I, I think you'd have to do it. I have some other guys I, I think I like better than Tari that would fill sort of the same vacuum that I think they're looking for Tari to fill. Um, so sort of a half answer there, but I, I would not do this. Um, but I just see like that being like a Tommy Shepard kind of guy. Yeah, totally agree. And it would just create an, like add another four to the roster because I think based on after watching more and more, and I, I don't know what your opinion on this is, more and more of Tari, no left hand, kind of works at one speed, shot needs a lot of work. He is a four in the NBA, I think. So yeah, they he'll would guard have to. some threes, especially the bigger threes. Like you could throw him on Paul George probably, and mm-hmm. he's sturdy enough, but also quick enough to do it. But also if he played some Brandon Clark backup five, it wouldn't shock me. And you just right. went like crazy small and you put him, He's basically the five defensively next to Porzingis, who is the four yeah. offensively. Like that, that <laughs> to me is probably more how he probably gets used, at least early. Um, but they'll they'll sell themselves on, hey, look, we drafted Rui, who was the next Kawhi, because he had big hands. And now we've drafted the next guy with really big hands. So we're drafting the next <laughs> Kawhi every year. Uh, I don't know. I have I have very little respect for how our scouting has been for the last decade. So um, I'm just going <laughs> to trash them as much as possible here. Uh, th- I could see them being like talking themselves into hand size as a factor. So let's go Tari. Uh, all right. The Knicks number 11. So the Knicks at 11. Sharp has to come off the board at some point. Uh, and He's not this- getting past 12. I can almost guarantee that. It's not getting past 12. Exactly. Now I, I'm guessing in this situation, if you have sharp on the board at 12, actually that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm sure Oklahoma city is calling Washington at 10 and it's probably calling the Knicks mm-hmm. even just to like, Hey, yeah. what can we incentivize you with to not take sharp? Right. So would they probably the 30th pick to move up a couple spots, one or two spots to make sure that they could get their guy. Mm-hmm. Um, So let's. The, the Knicks, are, in my opinion, are doing things based on the coach that they have, which is a very weird way to work for me. And and I think you build your team and then you find the coach to fit your team and your personnel. But I'm wondering if they would take like, who is a Tibbs guy and let that factor into the decision making here? Is it is it Durin? Is it Mark Williams? Is it? Sohan, like who, who's a Tibbs guy that's left? And, and I don't even know if there is a Tibbs guy left. 
I don't know if there's a Dibs guy left. I think Davis is the clear Dibs yeah. guy. And I think what I've told you, John, like I think Donnie Davis's floor here is at 11 because I think he is yeah. the epitome of a Thibodeau guy. Mm-hmm. So like uh, that's the floor, but he's gone. Sochan, I mean, you already have Randall there who they're trying to probably move, but I don't think they'll be successful in doing so. You have Obi Toppin who they're trying to create some more playing time for. I am going to go Jalen Duran. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. The Mitchell Robinson thing is weird and maybe they haven't fully right. gelled because he's a little wild and undisciplined. Uh, I, I could see this. So Duran at 12, Sharp, or Duran at 11, Sharp at 12. I'm just going to write that in instantly yeah. here and we'll, we'll keep that one moving because he's done just, deal. You know, <laughs> that just seems to, to make all the sense in the world. I put Charlotte on the board at 13. Charlotte on the board at 13. Now they are trying to potentially move this pick um, in a package to get off of Gordon Hayward's deal, but obviously we're assuming they stay in place. Charlotte needs defense. They could use um, a big. <laughs> they could also use a big, but they all have a pick in two picks. One of the bigs yeah. just went. Right. So because one of the bigs just went, they will just quickly grab Mark Williams to ensure they grab the second center in the draft. Yeah, I think that's how I see that plan too. If both guys are on the board, they probably wait to 15 unless they're really in love with one of the two. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think at that point you just pull the trigger and then whoever you probably would have taken at 13 is probably still there at 15 too. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Jeremy Sochan, but again, the issue, like you said, was then in between... Well, I guess, I mean, you never know what happens with the trade. Like, you're not worried about Cleveland taking another center because they have centers, right? but they could al- always trade out of that spot, and then you could lose your center right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole lot to, to factor in for, for something like that. And, and to me, it's do they need a Bridges replacement? Like, if Tari is there, does he make some sense for them as sort of that mm-hmm. kind of guy and maybe go small ball with he and P.J. Washington and all the stuff and I don't know. He could, could be kind of a center for you in, in some lineups, I think. Um, right. so, so that would be on their radar, I think. I think he just worked out there like in the last couple of days too. Okay. Uh, if I'm Cleveland at 14, just given who's left, I would take Malachi Branham, I think. Keep him in state, in Ohio, and just say like we need some additional scoring so that right. uh, Darius Garland doesn't have to do everything. And by the way, we have the defense to cover up for a guy as he learns how to defend. And some guys that weren't great defenders there have actually like bought in. Like Laurie Markinum is not a good defender in Chicago. And not that he mm-hmm. was good by any stretch in Cleveland, but he looked serviceable guarding even like small forwards this year, um, just based on the guys that were next to him. So uh, yeah, that, was, uh, kind of right that makes a lot of sense for them. You keep, they, they need some scoring punch. I don't think, I think they're going to end up keeping Karis Levert, but I don't think he worked out for them the way that they wanted it, wanted him to work out. And he's not the most efficient guy. Uh, Malachi is a much more efficient offense, uh, is a, at least in college, was an efficient offensive, offensive scorer. I would wonder, would they take Usman Diang because they, they know that they don't necessarily need help right away? Yeah. And could they gamble on a little bit of upside there, especially if like an Akura doesn't work out and they need a three long term? Maybe that's a way they go, but Malachi makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, you can shoot off ball probably at a little higher clip than, than Jen can so far. So right. maybe that makes sense next to Garland. Right. I don't know. This again is not our attempt at here's exactly what all the picks will be, but let's use like <laughs> real logic based on where teams seem to value um, these players. So again, it's Jabari to Orlando, Chet to Oklahoma city, Paulo to Houston, 
uh, Ivy to Sacramento, Matherin to Detroit, Keegan Murray to Indiana, Dyson Daniels to Portland, AJ Griffin to New Orleans, Johnny Davis to San Antonio, Tari Eason to Washington, Jalen Duran to the Knicks, Oklahoma City gets Shaden Sharp, Charlotte gets Mark Williams, Cleveland gets Malachi Branham. Uh, who wins that draft so far? If uh, you're looking at this quickly, my my initial gut would be Oklahoma City if you get Chet and Shaden. But yeah, definitely think Oklahoma City. Um, if you look at them now, they have SGA, they have Gildas Alexander, like I was saying. They have Chet, they have Giddy, and they have Shaden Sharp, and they're still tanking for next year in a loaded draft. They could legitimately have five building blocks, five to six building blocks, strong building blocks within 12 months from now, and quickly pivot from rebuild to strong to contender in two to three years. And with all those yeah. picks too, let's say that they win a little more than they want to next year, or the lottery screws them and they end up fifth. They've got so many other picks. They can do what it takes to get from fifth to second or first or whatever. Maybe right. nobody would give up Victor at first, but if you took Scoot Henderson at two, all of a sudden, um, this is a very, very reasonable strategy for them to just build up their war chest of assets. And uh, this is this is the year I think it'll pay off this upcoming year. Right. And if Giddy looks like a great on ball player and Sharp looks like the next thing at two at the two guard, yep. then you have the flexibility also of moving Shea Gilgis Alexander, who, who's your big money guy, because it's always that concern when you have a lot of rookie contracts turning and then the money could add up very quick, go from nothing to a lot very quickly. So like you said, they could they could trade. Um, SGA get a lot of picks back and kind of just keep reloading that way and just reset the rookie time clock with their, with their contracts and really kind of just be in the clear for a while. They have a lot of options there. Yeah. It's it's, what a smart team building strategy. That's already worked (laughs) out for them pretty well once before shocker. And the funny thing is just two years ago in the bubble, they were in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, It doesn't take forever folks. It doesn't have to, if you're good at it (laughs) and now, to be fair, they did draft three Hall of Famers, which is a pretty good track record. <laughs> <laughs> and then he still didn't win a ring. So, uh, you know, the, there's something to be said for that. But if you want to be right. contending, that's the way to do it. All right, let's do our version. Let's get real weird with it here. Okay. Here are the guys we like. Here's what we would do. Screw the consensus. Let's pretend we haven't read a mock draft. If we're picking as the general manager for these teams, let's do this thing. Now, can I ask you a question? Sure. Are we, is this going to be just straight picks? Yeah, if you were on the clock, can I call you and just say, hey, you know, I want to jump up from 10 to six or are we just going straight picks? Let's go straight picks for this one. Okay, got it. Uh, just just for sake it of could complexity. Get, it could get too, it'll get a little too weird then. <laughs> yeah, it, it could get, it could get very weird. We've got a weirdness threshold we can't cross on this podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to take Paulo Bancaro number one here. It's just what I would do. I just don't see a world where he's not really good. I, I I don't I don't buy into any of the well. What about a shooting percentage? What is defense like? Who gives a shit? If you're drafting a guy to be elite offensively, I think that's your guy. Yeah, I completely agree. You also have a great on ball, potentially great defender on ball lead guard um, in Suggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have. Well, Jonathan Isaac ever comes back to the court. You have another good defensive player. You could build a defense around Paulo. Um, And his offense, like I said, he's going to be a 25 point per game player in the league. And I think it's going to be pretty quickly. Um, And from there, I think there is potential 30 point upside over there. I mean, he's going to be able to put up points easily. I think in this league, you could have the Duke Duke front court with Wendell Carter. Like they kind of match up well together, I think. And, And Paulo has like, 
they don't have a traditional point guard. So he's a guy that could get the best out of Suggs. He's the guy that could get the best out of Franz. Like, right. You've now got multiple guys that are sort of dangerous and, and could set other guys up too. So, I mean, Trevor also, he doesn't need to be set up necessarily. So, like you said, Suggs isn't the best. Suggs is had a rough rookie year, yeah. but his defense, I think, will defense will play. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to see how quickly the playmaking and shooting catches up. You don't have to put that much pressure on him if you just feed the ball to Banchero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, number two, Oklahoma City. Who would you take number two off the board here? I'm still taking Chad over here. Okay. Um, I just like same reasons why we said that they won the previous the prior mock that we just did. Mm-hmm. So if they if they won that one, why change it around? Yeah, I agree. It just makes the most sense here. Um, for Houston, number three, I would take Jabari Smith. It just makes a lot of sense to me if I'm them. He's like a guy that doesn't need to dribble a hundred times to be effective and he can't dribble a hundred times. So uh, with the team they've got, if you're insistent on leaving Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green as your backcourt together, like somebody that can do some things off ball, add some shooting, add some defense, getting rid of Christian Wood. They're probably meaning they're going to play Alperin Shingun a decent amount of minutes. He's one of the worst defensive players I saw this year. So (laughs) maybe Jabari cleans up some of that. Yeah. Uh, all right, number four, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, number four, the Kings. So what we talked about before is I just don't love the Keegan Murray, Demonte Sabonis uh, combo. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who else can really jump all the way up to four that would justify it. So yeah, I'm we're just I'm going to stick with Jaden Ivy for the same reasons that we said before. It just makes the most sense here. I I don't know what the Kings. I'm feeling the Kings are going to do something strange. Yeah. I just can't like pinpoint exactly what it's going to be yet, but um, and it is kind of interesting that they've they've Fox and Davion Mitchell, Halliburton, now Ivy. They just keep taking guards. Let's just see how they play together. Um, but just get the talent in. Talent getting the talent in is the main thing. This pick, if they reach for need, it would, you know, it is what it is. But like, Jaden Ivy should not go below uh, four, in my opinion. If there was a team that could convince themselves to take like a Benedict Matherin in the top four or something, I feel like Sacramento is the team that could do that and just be like, well, he's the best fit next to the other two and just make the draft instantly get crazy. Oh, yeah. That's the one player when I was kind of going through like going through this exercise saying, hey, maybe he could. But it just seems like such a big jump. Um, If he had a little more on ball game, just a little more, not a ton more. If he had just a little more, I could justify it. But I just yeah, based on kind of the, actually your comp was good. Like, is he going to be called Will Pope or is he going to be better? Um, you can't take that player at four. Great. I mean, sounds funny. I could say, yeah, I could take him at five. I just can't take him at four. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard. Like there seems like a talent level drop from he and Ivy, at After least four. in, in right. the consensus. Um, all right. If, if I'm on the clock at five for Detroit, I take Shaden Sharp. I just do it. I don't even think yeah. twice about it. And I just say, look, Cade's such a veteran like presence mentally you know he just seems like this old soul and he's responsible and already talks like he's a leader he could help bring sharp along and he's okay kind of sacrificing his shots to set a guy up like that you could get easier buckets for somebody like sharp so he doesn't have to gun so much they could use that athleticism we talked about a guy if he has a 49 inch vertical jump seems like he's pretty athletic to me i don't care (laughs) if he's a one foot or a two foot jumper. Like if, if you can do that, um, you, you could be a pretty good running mate for, for Cade Cunningham, I think. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, Detroit should be in no rush to try to win and try to build around Cade Cunningham as like, they have plenty of time on his rookie contract. 
be bad for another year. Take the time with Shaden Sharp. You have your you have your backcourt set. I'm still not convinced in terms of what Sadiq Bay is long term and what Isaiah Stewart like what Stewart is long term. Yeah. But then I, I think with those two, you have your backcourt. You can load up on the in next year's draft also with another high pick and get your front court piece to go along with them. So I think that just makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, and it's good. And you could also do what kind of the Wizards thing. You could meet, like, once you go to training camp, like when the Wizards got Wall Beal, hey, for five years, it's like, hey, we have the best young backcourt in the NBA to we have the best backcourt in the NBA. That's They're 29 that's, years old, and you're still saying yeah, you're the best young backcourt in the league. That's what Detroit could do. They could just sell their media day, Cunningham yeah. and Sharp. Hey, we're the best backcourt in the, the best young backcourt in the league. Just do it, you know? Yep. I dig it. Teach them some yeah. good dances to do and then come out and like warm ups yeah. and layup lines. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's see. That is Indiana at number six. That's me. Okay. So Indiana at number six. This is a difficult spot in terms because if it was like totally up to me and if he was on the board, I would go shade and sharp. Uh, I think over here. In their shoes, we got Halliburton. We have a front court piece. I would go Benedict Matherin. It makes sense. I think he could kind of fit in there. And if he turns into more offensively, so be it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you there, too. I, I think that's kind of the easiest move to go with. Uh, at Portland, at number seven, I would go Dyson Daniels, which is what we did in our real mock so no no <laughs> argument there we'll just keep it all moving uh new orleans at number eight new orleans at number eight is where it gets tricky now because okay so we got i'm just trying to see who's left do you take keegan murray because we have him still on the board mm-hmm. do you take keegan murray and have him as zion insurance could you play them next to each other or could you play him with you know, other bigs on their team. Can he be more of a wing? Like, does he have, you could shooting? probably, I'm sure he could play some with Zion and he is, he slides to the four. Look, Zion's not going to play the two games. You, you hope to get, it's kind of like the Porzingis thing over here. You just hope to get 60. So you'll need someone for those other 20 and you could probably get the, get, get by with some minutes. I think it could be pretty, that's a good fit. Yeah. Let's go with that. I think, I think that makes sense. And I just want to see how Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Keegan Murray on a court together at the same time would actually work. <laughs> uh, plus Herb Jones and CJ McCollum and just like get real bizarre with it. It's an interesting team they put together. And it's like, I doubt when looking at it, there's no way that that was like their design. They've kind of just pivoted on the fly, but they put something interesting together on the fly. Interesting together on the fly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that... That just seems like a really good call for them too. Uh, all right, San Antonio at number nine. I think if I were them, I would take. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I would take Usman Jang, and just say like, "Hey, we we don't mind international players. We've kind of taken a similarly profiled player before." He's French. They love French guys. I'm sure Tony <laughs> Parker's given them a lot of insight. I think Tony is working for them in some capacity right now. So I'm sure he's known Jang for 15 years and uh, they've got international scouting department that works, you know, with a lot of the Australian stuff. So like they would know some dudes there. Um, he's big. He's a shot maker, shot creator for people. I think he profiles as a pretty good on and off ball defender, which is something they'd love. 
and maybe allows you to move Keldon Johnson back to the three more as opposed to making him a small ball four. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's how I would go if I were them. Okay. You have taken my pick because that's who I was going to have at number 10 for Washington. And it's, it's funny because during Shepard's press conference, he even mentioned that the best player in the draft doesn't have to be the best player in the draft right away. He cited where Giannis went in the draft. He cited where there was another player, Nikola Jokic. I think he mentioned him and he mentioned that it doesn't even have to be, it could be an international player. And I was like, wait, is this who he's talking? Is he talking kind of planting the seeds already for Usman? He also said that he thought all five of the guys that they liked at 10 would all still be available too. But then they also said they liked guys that were super productive this year, which Jang was awful (laughs) for half the year. So they've said everything at this point. They've said everything. They said everything. But I did, those comments did make me think, hey, this is someone that they could take. They could develop. There'll be no pressure on them to play. Um. Which kind of which would annoy the fans because they're not really getting anything getting anything out of the tenth pick, but they could just sell them as, hey, this is our guy in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm having a tough time with this one because I don't really. There's no one that I really love in this slide. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably if it if it broke this way, I would take calls to see if anyone wants to move up at all. Yeah. Move down a couple spots. I've kind of gone the Johnny Davis path a few times, but I don't want to go that way again because it's kind of mix it up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I take it. Uh, I do not want to take Jeremy Tochan. I got, I, I was actually quote t- tweeting a tweet from you when you said the workout was going to happen. And I was, it was the Michael Scott, I'm dead inside. Yeah. And I got a, a couple of people mad. Um, their take was, Hey, I guess you don't like defensive prospects. I wasn't so aware that, high. If they came at you, man, they were in, I wasn't aware that he was the only defensive prospect in the draft, right. but apparently that's the case. Yeah, um, all the other guys was, you liked, they played terrible defense. Oh, they played terrible defense. Yeah. Um, also uh, I just, I just don't see any world where you could have him and Denny sharing the court together. Yeah. yeah. It so. just, it doesn't like, yeah, I just don't see that. So, so I'm still stuck. Like, can I have a pick that I think they would do another pick that I think they would do that? I don't necessarily love. Sure. Fire away. This is your board. You can do whatever you want here because of his great synergy numbers. And if the board breaking like this, let's go AJ Griffin. Mm-hmm. And let's go Tommy Shepard, because I could definitely see this saying that they brought in Adrian Griffin last year. Yeah. Like he'll definitely cite that that his father mm-hmm. played in the NBA pedigrees there. Great basketball family. All that interview work was good. Yeah. Interview was good. We love the dad. We love him. We love the family. <clears throat> Something Tommy will give a story about how him and the dad like have like shared a shared a beer together like 20 years ago. And yeah something, uh, you know, something funny happened or he basically was holding AJ Griffin in his lap that day. <laughs> He's actually the godfather of AJ Griffin. He is. Yes. That's the thing. He will announce that he actually has been his godfather all along after making the pick. Um, yeah. I could, I could definitely see AJ Griffin being the pick because of the whole, that whole kind of, he comes from a basketball family and because of the shooting. I am going to take Marjan Bochamp, number 11, to the Knicks. I made the comp in my uh, Bold Forever draft guide thing that's about to come out after this pod drops. And I compared him to like Jimmy Butler potential. He's big. He's physical. He's got great, like sort of small forward tools. He's like a good cutter. He can impact the game without shooting at a high percentage, which is sort of what I see Butler doing. Like there's cutting, there's finishing around the rim. There's offensive rebounding, tips the ball out to people. He makes great passes. I think the ball handling's real. The shooting is a little 
inconsistent, but he can make shots, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this in in sort of our group chat here too. Um, There's Frank Mastriano. I think I'm saying that properly. Everybody just calls him Frank, but he's this like former Marine workout guru that like Gilbert Arenas credits for like turning him into super Gilbert Arenas. And (laughs) uh, Bochamp basically spent a whole year working with Frank and then COVID shut them down. It was actually where Kyrie Walker was working out too. So they've maybe got that connection. Um, You know, maybe Kyrie knows um, and can can give people some intel here too. But anyway, it's a, they were working out in San Francisco COVID killed them. So he went back to play for his like local Juco with like buddies he knew on the team. And he was getting ready to quit basketball because shit kept not working out for him. Refound his love for the game, stumbled his way into like a conversation with Rod Strickland, who put him in touch with Jason Hart, who got him on the ignite team. He was like a last roster spot fill in. And then they were like, Holy shit, this guy's really good. Like, (laughs) This is why he was like a high four-star recruit. This makes sense now. Um, I'm just like all in here. I think he'll be the best defender in this draft. Like I'm, I'm, I'm staking my claim that he's like a Mikhail Bridges level perimeter defender. Careful. Jeremy Sochan Hive will not be happy. I understand. We can only like the one defensive player that they all like. Otherwise we hate defense. Um, It just seems like a Tibbs guy to me too. He loved Jimmy Butler. He could wear him into the ground and uh, it'll be perfect for him. Yeah, Thib's not going to worry about the shooting because he has that kind of data point that he could reference with Jimmy Butler and know that he could impact the game without the great outside shooting. Um, that just yeah, seems like, like a Tibbs move, the old school guy. It's yeah. like, well, oh, yeah, you know, he has put back layups, you know, he got offensive rebounds like a cool. Yeah. And, he, and he's, he's being smart through the process. I think I heard I was listening to an interview yesterday where he said he wants to be the next Serb Jones. Yeah. So if you see a player that's kind of accepting the role, kind of going in, you're not worried about him trying to do too much. You're worried, like, you know, he's accepting what he is, but you also identify that there's potentially an upside there, like a Jimmy Butler. Because Jimmy Butler didn't, did not start as Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he was, sure. I remember, look, when we played them back in... He what, went 30 13, for 14, a reason, or 31, or whatever he was. Yeah, he wasn't like, when we played them in the playoffs, the, the Nene Jimmy Butler year, he wasn't the dynamic offensive player he is mm-hmm. now, but he was tough. Mm-hmm. And he was a tough, physical, defensive player who could knock down the timely shot or make the big play. And yeah, that that kind of fits. He also apparently killed it in his Wizards workout. Uh, we saw some media yep. clips of him not shooting particularly well, but they also put him through like the toughest workout that teams run, which I keep hearing from people about how tough the <laughs> Wizards workout is. So, uh, but he apparently looked good in said workout against Ochai Igbashi. All right, uh, number twelve, the number Oklahoma 12. City Thunder. Oklahoma City. I am going. So Spawn is gone. Uh, let's go with Jalen Duren. Mm, like it. because then I've added six eleven plus seven foot. And they could probably play together. They they could play together. I think. So um, I, I also have, gonna be. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, no, please. I was gonna say you have the potential of like a very if Giddy eventually moves to the point, you have a potentially like you have a really lengthy. You just have a lot of length on the floor with those. That's kind of like with the way size and all that, like size reach, um, kind of covering as much floor as you can. It's it. I like kind of pairing those two together. I, I was going to say, I, I do question a little bit, and I have Duran much lower on my little big board thing than, than everybody else seems to, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't take a center that high, period, anyway. Just 
this is what John Hollinger says he would never do before he puts three centers in the top five of his big board. But (laughs) I would actually not take centers particularly high just because I like Mark Williams better because they do the same things. And I know Mark is huge. I, I watched those NCAA tournament games and Duran looked to be about the same height as Drew Timmy, who is like six foot nine. And I heard some guys talking about during EYBL, people who covered him closely, that there was no way Durin was six foot 11. And they like, maybe he's grown to six ten now a year later, but he was not six uh, eleven in high school. So if he's a little undersized, maybe compared to what people project him as, just put him next to Chet. There's your height. You know what I mean? Like they'll work it out yeah. together. Please, yeah. please try to score over those two dudes. Absolutely. Uh, All right, you are on the clock. Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets here. Who we got? I'm going to go Kendall Brown. I really like Kendall Brown. To me, Brown is what everybody thinks Sohan is. Like, Brown is the much better athlete. I think he can play three through four pretty easily and guard ones and twos, potentially two, because he's that dynamic a mover. He's a good connector, like off ball. He's a good cutter. He's a crazy lob threat as a wing. He'd be really good in transition. I just think he's like their Mark or their um, Miles Bridges replacement longer term here. He just yeah. comes in and just like he would be a nightmare trying to like get out of the way of with Lamelo <laughs> throwing lobs to him in transition. So that'd be fun to watch. That fast break would be a lot of fun to watch. Kendall Brown is my guy. All right, and with our last pick, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Who would you go with? All right, over there. Um, in this version, I am not going with Malachi now. I am going to shift because Johnny Davis has slipped. I'm going to take him. He fits in with how they defend. You put him up top, guarding whoever the other team's best guard is, and you have behind him, you have Evan Mobley, you have Jared Allen, you have Isaac Okoro. You have a team that you don't want to play that often. <laughs> that like, make, and then and then it frees up Darius Garland. You kind of don't have to put that much load on him, especially defensively. You could kind of take that approach where you hide him on the other team's weakest offensive player. So I think I go with that. He's not as good of a shooter as Malachi, but he's also not weakness defensively. So again, he could pretty quickly, I think, translate, take on that role, save some wear and tear on Garland. I like the fit there. And if he shoots it, he now becomes like a really dynamic offensive player. And everybody talks about, well, in college, he couldn't beat guys off the dribble. Well, it's also they can pack the paint and steer you where they want to steer you and scheme to guard one person because all your teammates are shit. Now, all of a sudden, you have to guard me alone in space, and I'm creative enough to get to step backs and all those kinds of things. If he shoots a reasonable percentage, that's a tough cover, in my opinion. So I I think, you know, I I say this knowing full well he's like 14th on my board, so this is exactly where I'd take him. But I do think, like, you know, and I know you're under the same opinion, like we've, we've kind of nitpicked Johnny Davis to death at this point. I also think, like, he's also an underrated passer. So let's say you pass it to the the wing, he's open. If he shows that he can make it a decent clip, he beats the closeout. Once he beats the closeout, either he finishes himself if no one comes. If someone comes, he's good enough to make that pass to Mobley and Allen for the lob. All right. Two guys that we haven't talked about here that you like, that just, hey, these are my guys. We haven't we haven't gone through them much at all today, but I'm just in on these dudes, and I'm hanging my hat here that they'll look good five years down the road. Are, are there two other guys you got? So one of them, um, I'll... Shout out to Damo. I do like Jalen Williams, but here's my thing on Jalen Williams. I like him if a team is willing to kind of go through the, uh, go through kind of the difficulties and make him a point guard. 
and this is I, this is literally word for word what shows up in my draft guide. I swear to God, <laughs> if if he's a point guard, I now have a lottery grade on him. Um, right. If he's off ball as a connector, I don't like him as much because where that di- where he could be potentially dynamic is in that kind of lead guard. With, it doesn't have to be like it's like um, heliocentric where it's only him. But if he's like off ball, if he's in like a Troy Brown type, and he's much better as a, a much better prospect than Troy Brown. But what I'm saying is. Troy Brown needed the ball in his hands, but he was like the fourth in line to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. That's like, you're not drafting him to make him a three and D because yeah. that's just not what his skill set is. He's like his athleticism tested much better than it looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, he's not going to just like beat a closeout and dunk over. He might do it once in a while, but he's not like this explosive three and D potentially that you want to well, like mold him into. So put him on ball next to like, I'll just say like next to an- another scoring guard then you have something that I think is interesting. That is a sleeper. That's, that's a dynamic type player. If you're going to make him your third, fourth option as a connector, I don't like him. So it's all, that's on, it's on your projecting. Do you see him as a connector? Like as a, what they think Denny could be not yet, or do you see him as the primary on ball guy? Yeah, I agreed. I, I wholeheartedly just like everything you said. There probably was one of the two guys I, I was going to say. So um, I think I ended up with him 12 and it says in parentheses with the caveat, like, can you make him uh, like some kind of primary offensive initiator and whatever you call that, if it's point guard, I, I don't actually give a shit, but can, can he run offense for you? No, the funny thing is, and I think I told you this, I comped him to like a Walt Williams and I think it's similar where Walt Williams, yeah. I was excited about Walt Williams coming out of college. Cause I thought they were going to make him to like a six, eight point guard, uh, but they tried to move him off ball and, and he had a good NBA career. just not a great NBA career. Uh, and, and, but the funny thing is this is also where it gets, it gets funny where people are like, people viewed it offensively that I compared him to Walt Williams. And then I was like, do you guys understand that Walt Williams he was so in, good? Yeah. was in his last season in college was 27, six rebounds and four assists. Yeah. So I see some similar, he's not as good as Walt Williams was in college, but I see some similar skill set there. And if I go back in time and I still say this, if they had made Walt Williams a point guard, he would have been a much better player. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the guy got the nickname the wizard for a reason because he was a wizard with the ball. Like, we're talking about somebody that's trying to do like Magic Johnson stuff. And now all of a sudden we've made him Robert Covington. You know, like it's (laughs) it's definitely that was a poor usage one. But yeah, yeah, the comp makes sense. Like, can you be a big, big facilitator? And and then you're then all of a sudden you're intriguing. If he's just a three and D guy you've wasted some of his, his creation value. And I don't think the defense will ever be like great enough to be like, Oh, here's a top tier three and D guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. One more name for us. One more name. Can I, uh, can you go first and then I'll come back with my second name. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I just, Kennedy Chandler is interesting to me. And mm-hmm. I think broom and I collectively are higher on him than the rest of the world. It seems like, And I just, I hate small point guards. I'm going to be on the record as I, I almost never have those guys like in a valuable draft range, but if I were going to bet on a small point guard to be productive in the NBA, Chandler's the guy because he just, what he does matters on a court and he's longer than, than six foot tall. He's long enough to be like a six, five guy. And He's like really athletic and plays like he's athletic. So I think he's instant shooting. He's instant defense. Maybe he's best case scenario ever a backup, but this is a guy I have like 16th on my board. I want to say so at 16, if you get like a really good solid backup for eight years, you know, 
I think you take that and you never think twice about it. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't disagree over there. Um, all right. I think I got my second guy. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot at one guy before picking my second guy, take because yeah. one sleeper that I've heard about that I've, people keep talking up and, and through the process, he's had a great lead to the draft is Dalen Terry. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you this. I did not watch a ton of Arizona, but I've been watching more highlights, game sure. film, whatever I could find online. When I did watch Arizona in the NCAA tournament, I was like, uh, my take was, okay, you have Benedict Matherin and who else? Mm-hmm. So he didn't pop to me at any point back then. So why is he popping now is my question. It's- because, is it because of the size? Because of like what you the box he could potentially fit into because when I was yes. watching it, I didn't see anyone else that could really hang athletically with, I, uh, um, was it, who did they lose to in the second round? Was it Houston? They lost to Houston. Yeah. Houston against Houston. Everyone seemed overwhelmed. So I don't, I don't see it. I didn't see it on the court then. And that's kind of stuck with me. So I wanted to get your take on that. Their last couple games of, of the season into the Pac-12 tournament, Kirk Kreisa, their point guard, Estonian legend, Kirk Kreisa, uh, who literally shot them out of like multiple games this year and somehow they won in spite of him, uh, got hurt, like bust, like bust his ankle up pretty bad. And they were like, okay, Dale and Terry at point guard experiment. And all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, he's six foot seven and he can play point guard. We probably should have done this all year. And then by the tournament, they moved him back off ball and he just wasn't super valuable. He averaged like eight points a game for a reason. So it's that sort of like extremely small sample size of if he can do this long-term, okay, there's a lot of value there. Now I I agree. I have him like 25 or something to me. He didn't produce like a a first round pick, but you know, if I can get a guy that would definitely be a first round pick after next year, I, I take the shot. It's like the primo effect, but if yeah. someone takes him 14, I would like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like we're years, he's actually years away from being years away. And it's funny because his dad is like going at people on Twitter. Like my son was actually the best defender on the team. My son is actually the best shooter on the team. My son's actually <laughs> the best passer on the team. It's like, again, Tommy Lloyd, not stupid. So if you could beat out Kerr Kreisa and be your starting point guard, I think everyone on earth probably would have preferred to see that. So he's just not there yet to me. Okay. Um, now the guy I like, uh, and again, this is not necessarily as a starter, but someone who will immediately be able to play, be a rotational guy. I could see him finding his way on a contender being, uh, a player that the opponents fans do not like and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but Christian Brown Brown killed it. Yep. I said it right. Okay. There got you it. go. Um, I keep saying Braun and Matt keeps, uh, keeps, uh, correcting me. So I finally got it right this time. The closer we are to the draft. Look, he's just going to play. He's going to play. He's going to shoot. He's going to defend, and he's going to annoy the annoy the opposition. Um, there's value in that, and as a contender, that's the exact. And if I have a, con- a contending team that's ready to win now, and I just want someone who I, know, I think by the end of the season will be somewhere in my rotation for 15 minutes a night, that's what I'm taking. Yeah, he's an mf'er. Guys talk yeah. about how annoying he is. He's like Chihuahua on the court. You know, like he's chirping the whole time. It just fits. It just fits. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think that's a great call. I like him too. Again, I have him probably late first round grade, but you know, at a, at a certain point, if you just like the dude, you just pull the trigger. Uh, the other one I got is Jake Laravia. I think Jake is like what we were billed as, like what what we'd build Denny to be, like this six mm-hmm. foot eight guy who can be a point forward, who can move the ball, except Laravia actually shoots. 
and he's smart <laughs> and defends. And uh, yeah, I just think he's, he's going to be the guy that, um, you know, kind of fulfills that big white six foot eight point guard point forward <laughs> promise uh, that, that we thought we would get last year. But so. is LaRavia working out with Shelvin Mack in the off season? That's a very he's good point. Hitting um, spot up threes. Can I just say one thing? And this Please. is like, I am a, I was very pro Denny in drafts. Sure. I still think there's potential there to be a starter. Sure. So if you are a Denny fan, do not take offense to this, but it is kind of funny that when you still watch, when you're watching his summer run, a lot of these, he's still being the points. He's still being a spot up three and D in pickup basketball. Right. Yeah. He's in the corner and he's not even he's running in the corner. Yeah. He's in the corner playing with Sel- with Selvin Mack. He's so and if cool. we learned anything from the movie Hustle, is that Trey Young is perfectly willing to go off ball for some European player <laughs> to come in and totally dominate the pickup game while he's happy to sit in the corner. So if if Denny were really good, I'm sure people would happily let him take over. <laughs> just kidding, folks. Uh, don't don't yell at us. We do like Denny. We just we we want the best for our Denny. So um, hopefully hopefully we see new and improved Denny this year. Yes. And it's okay to just be like, Hey, we think he's going to be a nice fourth and fifth starter. Yeah. When we critique him, don't say he has star potential no. because you see star potential faster. But Giannis didn't pop right away. Like uh, <laughs> Paul George wasn't good in year <laughs> three. Like, come on guys. Come on. Those are, those are true statements. But if you watch that and think uh, you see Paul George upside there, I, I question what you're watching. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty good place to end it on here. Oz, any parting shots uh, or, or last comments you'd like to make draft-wise uh, before Thursday night's draft? Yeah, sure. Um, so Tommy Shepard's been doing the rounds, and he's saying a lot of nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot, a lot of everything and nothing at the same time. Yes, at the same time. I, I listened actually this morning to an interview he did on 980, mm-hmm. and I had to fast-forward about like 15 minutes for him to get to anything of mild substance. Um I know like the buzz now is like, they don't want, they want a veteran point guard. I, so I know, and and a lot of it is centered around Brogdon, my guess. And this is, look, I'm not, I'm not a reporter. I'm just, I like to just connect dots, kind of like take, take all the information and kind of piece and piece my opinion, put my opinion together based on what I'm reading and kind of what the history of this franchise and the kind of the people running it kind of uh, like do. My guess, I wanted to bounce it off you. I do not think they are, remotely considering trading 10 for Brogdon. My guess is it's Indiana trumping up value, trying to trump up uh, New York versus Washington in a bidding war with 10 and 11, trying to create value that's not there. Um, it just would not fit the Shepard box at all for a trade. Now, that's not, I'm not saying that Shepard will not try to make a trade on draft day. Um, I could see 10 on the move with some combination of another pick plus a veteran. Uh, to me, what I think Windhorse reported as a, as like a, I don't think he reported this as a trade in the works, but like kind of just floated the idea was, was like a Devonte Graham plus eight taking on the bad contract, moving up two spots in exchange for that. That makes sense. That seems to be the shepherd box. I like would how do that kind in of, a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat one because, and I know people are like, well, Devonte Graham can't defend, can't this, we have zero point guards on the roster. Yeah. We don't have anybody. He's so an upgrade over like, Neto coming back. He's, on yes, another he's an upgrade. He can shoot the three. Even if he just plays 20 minutes a game. Yeah. I mean, we have I don't think people understand how bare the depth chart is at guard. It's literally nothing. But they're so, totally okay running Beal at point guard. We just heard that, <laughs> even though they've said all offseason they want a, a pass first point guard. Yeah. So if you could jump up a couple spots and ensure you get a guy that you want, 
plus, and you take on that contract. I mean, you need three point guard. They're going to need to sign three point guards by next season. If Devontae Graham is one of the three, you could do worse. So I think that's the type of trade that I think that I could see happening. Maybe like a Melton plus a couple picks, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think could happen. I don't see the Brogdon one happening, um, but I, I don't get the sense they're going to run it back. There's going to be some movement. I'm, and I am a little nervous. I want to just see it happen. So I know what it is versus like breaking the computer and, and losing my mind. <laughs> I do get occasionally accused of being a little bit snarky when it comes to the wizards. Just, just a tad bit. I can promise you that if they trade 10 for Brogdon and Brogdon gets hurt 10 games into the season, I will be the snarkiest person that has ever lived. And and it'll be scorched earth at all times for the entire rest of probably my life. I'll be honest with you. Like that yeah, would break absolutely. me. If that happens, I will probably actively root against them and wishing yeah. for the lottery next season because it would be so short-sighted and such a terrible move. And if 10 also turns into like an it's obviously good player and Brogdon was hurt, it, it would be bad. So anyway, Oz, thank you for the time. Hope everybody enjoyed this. We'll uh, we'll get together again here and talk about what that looks for the rest of the season. As always, folks, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, as always, we are presented by betonline.ag. So we'll catch you next time after the draft and we'll talk about our new draft pick. Stay tuned. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube